Hey, Nothing Is Wasted family. If you were to ask me this one question, Davey, what's the most important Nothing Is Wasted resource that I should engage with? I would tell you, hands down, the Pain to Purpose course is it. Thousands of people now have found tremendous healing and breakthrough in their valley by walking through this course. Now, it's emotionally and spiritually intense, but I promise you it's well worth it. The Pain to Purpose course is an 11-video online course where I'll help you do four major things. Okay, the first one is this. I'll help you remove the debris of crisis in your life. So like trauma, tragedy, major life transition. The second thing is I'll guide you through the steps of repairing the emotional, relational, and spiritual broken pieces that were left in the wake of your trauma. Third, I'm going to lay out for you how to reestablish a firm foundation for a healthy and whole life. And then finally, I'll help you discover and step into the missional and redemptive purposes God has for you out of your trauma. Over the past several years of hosting this podcast, I've noticed some things. No one's pain journey is the same. However, there are some common denominators that every pain to purpose story shares. And there are some common things that everyone who goes from tragedy to triumph have to do. So my team and I took those common denominators and we distilled them into an 11 video curriculum to give you the handles, or as we call them, waypoints that you'll need in order to walk through your unique pain journey. This course is essentially an entire year's worth of counseling condensed into 11 videos and at the fraction of the cost of counseling. I believe counseling is, is very important to your healing journey. If the Pain to Purpose course had existed back when I lost my wife in 2015, I still would have sought counseling, but I wouldn't have had to have spent so much time or money with that counselor because I would have been light years ahead of things just from taking the Pain to Purpose course. So I'd love to invite you to begin accessing the course today. You can go to course.nothingiswasted.com to do that. Again, that's course that nothing is wasted.com. And as a little bonus, I convinced my team to let me give you a discount. So right now for a limited time, you can get $25 off the purchase of the course by using the promo code podcast at checkout. So again, that, that promo code is podcast. Maybe the course isn't something that you need right now, but we do have an option to purchase it as a gift for someone in your life who does need it right now. So just make sure you select the gift certificate option while you're purchasing that. So again, that's course.nothingiswasted.com and use the code podcast to get $25 off. Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, where we believe that no matter what you've gone through in life, God is inviting you to partner with Him to take back your story. On this podcast, we have inspiring conversations with people who are doing just that. And now, your hosts, Davey Blackburn and Aubrey Sampson. Hello, welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Davey Blackburn, and... Um, unfortunately, today, Aubrey will not be joining me, and I just want to ask for prayer on her behalf uh, from all of you guys. Last week, Aubrey um, lost her best friend in the entire world. Um, uh, she just just last week passed away after a, a long battle with cancer, and Aubrey's been, um, if you follow her on Instagram at Obsamp, you, you've seen this, and you know that um, she's been uh, talking about this a little bit, and you've probably followed some of her journey every Wednesday. She would do 
um, these kind of warrior Wednesdays in honor of Jen um, as they were really uh, walking with her and her cancer battle. But um, Jen went to be with Jesus uh, last week. And so please be in prayer for Aubrey and all of Jen's family. And um, I know Aubrey wishes that she could be here with us, but she's taken some time to just step back and, and really mourn and lament. And um, I mean, you guys, Aubrey is our, she is, she is the lament woman, you know, she's written a, a book, the louder song on it. And, and now she's in a, a new season of lament. And so I just want to ask right now from all of our community that you cover her, cover her family and cover Jen's family in prayer. Uh, right, right now, maybe even pause this and just say a prayer for them. Just in, in the, just in the spiritual realm, I would love for Aubrey to just feel undergirded by, by a hammock of grace during this time. Um, so she'll be back with me um, after she take, she takes some time. I'm not sure how long that's going to be, but for now, um, you'll you'll be hearing from me, and uh, you'll also be hearing from a just a great a great person today that we're interviewing. Her name's Julie Thomas, and Julie's story is man just a a really uh, it's it's a difficult, painful, arduous road that she has been on, um, and it relates to overwhelming season, an overwhelming season of depression, specifically in postpartum. And this is a very important topic because this is a topic that I don't think we talk about enough in the church. I don't know if there's been enough dialogue, especially for women and and even for husbands and um, to be able to find support during those seasons. You know, the CDC research shows that about one in eight women with a recent live birth suffers from symptoms of postpartum depression. I would imagine it's probably more than that. But but women tend to feel alone in this and that they're suffering silently and they don't know how to share this with other people. And so this is, you're going to love hearing from Julie about how God just met her in this season. She's the author of Hope Inside Out, Approaching Depression with, a, with Purposeful Hope. And just an, a wonderful conversation that I have with Julie. So why don't we go ahead and do this? Let's go ahead and take a listen to my conversation with Julie Thomas. Julie, it's so great to have you on the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, man, I'm so excited about having this conversation. Um, not that I get excited necessarily about talking about people's pain journey, <laughs> but I get excited about the fact that when we talk about something that, one, we haven't really talked about a whole lot on the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, and in general, the church doesn't talk a whole lot about, and yet it feels like and seems like so many people are experiencing this This. Uh, this type of season, this type of pain point, uh, th- that's what excites me because I feel like that we're going to be taking territory back from the enemy in this conversation, right? And um, and so I, I'm we're gonna we're gonna talk quite a bit about postpartum depression and your journey in that. And um, you've just you've written this book that is really helping. I, I think it's going to help so many people. Hope inside out, approaching depression with purposeful hope. Even the language of that just speaks nothing is wasted culture like yeah. crazy. Um, so before we dive into your story of this, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself, where, where you guys are right now, what your family's like, where you live, what you do, and then and we'll dive back into this journey that you've been uh, traveling for a little bit. Absolutely. Uh, so I'm married, uh, mom to two boys, and we live in Dallas, Texas. 
uh, a suburb of Dallas, Texas, and I homeschooled my boys from the time they were little all the way up until this point. They're in school full time this year. Mm. So I have a a 14 year old and a 12 year old and they're both in school full time. Yeah. So I am officially done homeschooling. Wow. Um, and I got to graduate. I got a, a PhD. It was right before all this started uh, locally from university here. Mm-hmm. And then the journey from that from there was the journey through depression that began. Uh, wrote a book. It's called Hope Inside Out. That's also based on this story of uh, postpartum depression in my life. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, from there, God's just been opening up little avenues to bring the story out, uh, wow. you know, for the sake of people that need to know that they're not alone. Yeah. So, yeah, I am just so humbled and just blown away by, by what God has done with this little story yeah. about this little mom from a suburb in Dallas. Like, wow. you know, you never expected that. I never expected that. So, yeah, here we are. Wow. It's so it's so important to talk about this because you know we you and I said this before we uh, started recording, but the church publicly doesn't seem to be talking about this a whole lot. You don't hear very many sermons on postpartum depression, and yet, I, no. you know, this certainly touched our family. My wife has been open and honest about some of her journey over the past couple of years with some postpartum depression. It seems like every circle that she gets in, especially talking with moms. Everybody can find solidarity in that. They're like, yeah, me too. I feel it. But but it, because it doesn't seem like something that we're talking about a whole lot, a lot of people live in quiet desperation. They live in confusion. Yeah. Depression in and of itself is something that feels like it can sneak up on you. And then when you're in it, you're going, I, didn't, I don't know. I don't even know what this is. And I don't know how to get out of it. And I just know I don't feel normal. I don't feel like myself. So this is a really important conversation, and I'm glad that you're willing to share this with us. Why don't you dive back and take us kind of on the journey? Tell us a little bit about how this began, and and uh, we'll talk yeah. about how God met you in it. Yeah. yeah. One of the most important things from what you were just saying is, for me, it didn't just stay a postpartum. Mm. It just kept extending, and the whole life of the, the length that I had to endure was almost six years. And so if it's Mm. not taken care of and not spoken of and not addressed when it's at that infant stage is when it keeps growing to where it went to in my life. And uh, for me, I'll start with the beginning of this whole journey. Um, I had a two and a half year old son and then the younger one comes along and, you know, hospital had the baby and I come home and I did not come home feeling okay. I came home feeling very confused because what happened for me personally was I would see this vision in my head and it was as real as our conversation right now happening in real time. In my head, I would be pacing up and down the postpartum hallway looking for something and I wasn't sure what and I would Mm. pace, pace, pace till I came across an empty baby cart and I would see that the baby was missing Mm. and I would immediately feel like I lost my baby. And so I would look immediately to see if he's with me and pick him up and just mourn. Unrealistic. Wow. Absolutely unrealistic. But it was real time in my head while real life is happening simultaneously. So I had two realities playing out at the same time. 
I wasn't sure what was going on. So I didn't tell anyone. I didn't tell my husband. Hmm. And then when, you know, the week started to progress and I started to feel more and more confusion, uh, when the nighttime would hit and, you know, everything is quiet, this felt like I'm pretty sure triggered by anxiety would speed up mm-hmm. really fast. And it was like, I couldn't, I couldn't rein it in by any means. And what would happen is I would just sprint out the door. It was like me trying to get away from my head. Mm. And all I knew at that moment was to sprint out the door. It would be middle of the night, 90% of the time, because it only kicked in at that time of the night where the speeding up happened. And so then my husband would have to pack in a newborn and pack in my toddler and come out looking for me, you know, on the streets. And I could run, like, I'm not a runner, yeah. but that wanting to get away from what that was would just give me this wow unusual strength. And I would run barefoot and then wow. I would run till my energy caved, like I couldn't run anymore. Yeah. Right. And I would just crash. God kept me safe from anything happening during that time frame of the night. And I would always go find a source of light because my husband knows I hate pitch dark. I always have a night light in our room. So I would go park myself like, you know, under a street light or some source of light and just stay there because I, I knew he would come. Wow. So darkness, se- darkness seemed to be a little bit of a catalyst in some of this speeding up of this anxiety then for you. Okay. Yes, wow. darkness. And what's I'll tell you later in the story is what darkness plays a big part in the story later okay. to where... Um, he would come find me and that's where it was like, okay, this is not good. And I experienced a lot of rage, uh, just not knowing what to do with myself. I would at certain points not know who my kids were, like stare at them blankly. And then when something dropped or something made a noise just to, you know, wake me up from what, where I was, I would realize who they were. It was just a lot of odd stuff like that. And wow. so we sought treatment a little later about, the fifth month, sixth month mark. And that's when we were diagnosed with postpartum depression. Uh, you know, we immediately sought prayer from our church. Uh, our leadership just wrapped their arms around us and they led us to a, a, a counselor in our area. And she was also uh, somebody that they knew. And she became an important part of my life. She became my safe place mm. uh, to where I'm so glad I did that because I didn't. I couldn't express what I was going through to my husband. He couldn't understand. He couldn't relate. And mm. I couldn't, I can't blame him for that. I was mad at him at that time. But right. when, and when I look back, it's not something I can blame him for. It's not a language that he would understand. He doesn't have a frame of reference for it. Mm-mm. Right. And that's why yeah. I feel like there's a, there's a disconnect so often with husbands and wives in those seasons because, yes, you know, personally, we can talk about this a little bit later, but personally we're like, I don't, I don't understand what this is at all. I don't even, you know, and so we don't know how to be there for, for our wife in that situation. So I'm sorry. No, you're fine. Uh, Needless to say, it affects the marriage. It affects our relationship and it became hard for me to go out into public, um, any public places. So here's where I'm talking about the darkness that plays in, in a different way. Mm. I became afraid of the light that Mm. became my reality. So daylight, sunlight, being outside in the light, it became really scary to me. We just happened at that point to move, move into house, a new house. And so I chose all the window uh, 
coverings for the house. And I chose everything in black and dark brown. And what I would do is even that was too much for me. And so I would pin it to the wall so that, you know, where where there's a light that could creep in. Yeah. It doesn't matter how much, like a little bit of light when it's daytime will creep into your house. I couldn't stand that. So if you even, it's still there on the, on my walls, you'll see marks of tacks and pins into the wall, like where I pinned it into the wall because I was so terrified of daylight and light in general, being in public in general. Uh, I stayed in a dark room for a lot of the time because I also started to deal with physical challenges like uh, fibromyalgia, neuropathy, stuff like that started to pop up. Mm. And um, so a lot of time was spent in darkness with every drape in the house closed to the to the max and uh i couldn't go to church i couldn't go to uh grocery stores and here again my husband would want me to go and he would be like you know people are going to ask me where you are we hadn't started sharing our struggle with the any anybody in general besides our counselor and my our pastor's family so it became a challenge for him when he would show up with just my toddler and I was not there. And so he would say, can you come? And sometimes he'd say, just, just come, just come for a little bit. And, and I would feel pressured and go. And then I would end up hiding in the restroom stall. Or if it was a grocery store, I would run out because it was too much light, too much sound. My sensory, like it was just a sensory overload for me. I would run to the car and just stay in the car till it was time to come home. Wow. So that became my reality for the longest time. And it kept everything dark. And um, that became our reality as a family. Yeah. And to the point where my husband was tired of trying to open the drapes because I would pin them back. And he just asked the Lord for a sign that I would open them, open them up someday myself. Man. That that would be a sign of at least my healing was beginning, right. um, and that that light would come in without him having to force it right. uh, on me. So that became reality. Darkness became a companion. Hiding became a companion mm-hmm. from someone who was afraid of the dark to darkness becoming just mm-hmm. somebody somewhere I needed to be, and I felt safe there. Uh, Man. A total false uh, hiding place, uh, a lie of a hiding place, but I hid mm. there for the longest time. That's that's so, uh, man. That's so interesting that it, it it went from one extreme to the other. Do you have any kind of, as you look back on it, is there any kind of like explanation that comes to mind for that? Like here's here's a, as you know here's maybe why. I mean, I know a lot of these things they don't make a lot of sense, right? It's just mm-hmm. so much more this, um, this, this just sense and feeling of anxiety and you're trying to get away from whatever is bringing that on and, and, mm-hmm. and toward the things that you feel like are safe. But, yeah. you know, just really interesting to me that flipped over from darkness being the catalyst to your anxiety to light being the catalyst to your anxiety. Yeah. Um, I think for me personally, it was, when I woke up during the day, I felt like I had to face another day. Mm. And I always woke up with this tight knot in my stomach and I had this tight feeling in my chest. It felt like there was a weight in my chest sometimes that made me feel like I couldn't breathe or catch a breath. And wow. I didn't want to face another day of that. And uh, it was just 
terrifying for me to face that reality of, oh, the day has started. People are going to start calling or wanting to come. I didn't want to see anyone. I couldn't make eye yeah. contact with people. That became a very significantly uh, like noticeable factor in my life to the point where when I started to get better, uh, I went to tell our pastor. We always He always stayed uh, you know, up to date with us on our journey and always stayed with us and prayed with us. And so I went to tell him, you know, I'm getting better. He said, I can, I can tell from your eyes mm. because it shifted. Something shifted to the point where I was able to make eye contact with him again. I didn't realize it. He told me later, but you know, uh, I couldn't make eye contact. And that difficulty of making eye contact at church and public places is what led me to hide in restroom stalls mm. because I didn't want to make eye contact. I would hide in there till noises thinned out in the church and I knew everybody was gone and you know, that wow. kind of, um, yeah. Hey friends, with as many of you guys who are listening to this each week, I know so many of you are carrying a heavy weight of pain and loss. Your story has not gone the way that you thought it was going to go. And when we when we start to process what's happening in our lives, we can often find ourselves paralyzed by the pain, not really knowing where to go from here, what to do from here. And uh, you know, I know from experience that we even begin to to tell ourselves lies like this is the end of your story. That this will always define you. And trust me, I, I've been there. But with the help of others, I was able to navigate my way out of that valley. And at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries, we exist to help you navigate your pain and even find purpose from that pain. So if you're new to our community and you're wondering where to start or you've been with us for some time and you're just looking to take your next step, I'm hosting a free live call just for you. In that call, we're gonna talk about the five steps to taking back your story, no matter what you've gone through. I'm gonna share with you a little more of my own journey of how God met me in my valley and guided me after losing my wife, Amanda. And I'm gonna teach you five critical steps that you'll have to take in order to rewrite your story. The call's gonna be right at 60 minutes long, but I promise you, it's gonna be well worth your time because in it, you'll learn things like how to regain a sense of agency, and begin thriving, not just surviving, but thriving in the midst of your trying circumstances. Why having more questions than answers may be an essential part of moving forward. How to get rid of the overwhelming negative emotions that tend to bog you down and get you stuck. We're gonna talk about the one key decision that you're gonna have to take in order to move through your pain and, and beyond it. How to listen to the right voices with, when everyone seems to have an opinion on what you quote unquote should do next. And listen to me, a whole lot more. So if you're feeling weighed down or paralyzed by the pain you've experienced, you don't have to stay there. I wanna be your guide and show you the way back to thriving. Just go to nothingiswasted.com slash start here. Again, that's nothingiswasted.com slash start here to sign up for this free live call or if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, just click the link at the bottom in the show notes. We've made it extremely easy for you to sign up and we're offering multiple date and time options for this live call to work with your calendar. Guys, I believe this one step could be the very breakthrough you need to put you on the redemptive path God has for you. Just open up your browser on your phone right now and go to nothingiswasted.com slash start here or click the link we've included in the show notes of this episode. I'm in your corner and I can't wait to connect with you soon. Julie, I mean, this obviously, it almost feels like an understatement to say this got really bad. 
for yeah. you. Can you t- explain to us how bad it got? Because I think a lot of times people, whether you have a friend or a family member who's dealing with this or whether you're dealing with it yourself, you kind of in some ways wait for the the the, the bounce back moment right where where is it this going to hit the absolute bottom before it bounces back up and starts to starts to get better and yeah. and in some ways we try to make that a little bit of a formula right which none of this is formulaic um but I, i'm i'm curious for your in your journey how how bad did this get and then where do you see the turning point started to take place well it got bad to the point where i wanted out absolutely wanted out and uh, attempted a couple of times and was unsuccessful, thank God. And I always, always, always wonder why I was spared because Mm. it still chokes me up when I think of, you know, some that did leave and then I'm still here. And so I just, nothing but gratefulness to the grace of God and the love of God in that area, different plan, I guess, for my life is was charted out, but I wanted out. I wanted out. I uh, physically attempted, and then I would ask God mm. every single day, take me. Just my life is useless here. My kids are better off without me. My family's better off without me. I'm not contributing to family or society. It just started useless was the word that would just come up in front of me every single day Yeah. Uh, to the point where my counselor would like make us make me like, what is the first question that comes up in your mind? You know, and right. what came up went to my surprise was why am I so useless? Mm. And so when you feel like one, all the pain and the agony and the trauma of what you're going through and then you're thinking you're absolutely useless to family, to society. Mm. Uh, so I'm thinking all those is what caused me to want out. And, you know, just there were days when, when that didn't work, I would just scream into a pillow, like push it up against my face and scream as loud as I could because I tried to control the running away as much as possible because I realized, and that was the point when this reel was in my head for the longest time. And that started to fade away a little bit, Yeah, but I would still scream into a pillow, go into the closet, scream into the carpet so that my kids wouldn't hear, but I needed to let it out mm. to the point where I started to yell at God um, and then mm. feel guilty for it on the back end. And then, uh, I remember putting my kids to bed one day for a nap in the afternoon and I pulled away from the bedroom and just walked into my living room and just shook my fist at heaven and I swore to God that I would never raise my voice to know him or love him or that that became the extent of my rage. Wow. And so that was where that's where it got to uh, running away and screaming and rage and anger and not wanting to eat, I, I lost, absolutely lost most of my appetite. I would say just lived on fluids for the longest time, was taking all this medication for, you know, from seeing the doctors and I lost a lot of weight. Um, just, yeah, all those things. And this is all happening at the same time. So, wow. Uh, wow. Yeah. Well, and this, you know, had to have, 
I think you already alluded to it earlier that it impacted your marriage and impacted the entire family. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what exactly, how exactly did it impact, uh, particularly your marriage, your relationship with your husband? Well, it became, it reached the point where my husband, like I said, he couldn't understand. Yeah. And so for him, it was leave her alone. And he uh, was afraid to communicate because most of the time it ended up where we would have, have an argument because he wasn't understanding what I'm saying. My language was different from his. And this is not even just a regular marriage language. This is coming from a place of all this baggage of postpartum and all the trauma. And so it's he couldn't understand. And so he would just not talk to me for most of the day. And that would affect me like he didn't care. So it further he always isolated with, you. Is what it, yes. Yeah. And he always cared for the kids and everything. And I never felt like I needed to tell him, hey, help me with the kids. He did that. Mm-hmm. It just was second nature to him. But when it came to me, he was, I felt like this back walking away mm-hmm. uh, that didn't want to talk didn't want to address it it's today if i ever feel a sting i mean god is healed and if i ever feel a sting from just life happening i can tell him today Mm. i'm not feeling good i feel this anxiety or this pressure and he'll pray or we can talk about it and that is so much better today but at that point when i was alone you know it affected us it affected us to the point where i would throw things at him and he walked away one time and just multiple things that affected the marriage. And um, we attempted counseling, but the both of us were at a different point where that even the counseling didn't work because I'm still healing from this. It wasn't time for me to focus on the marriage. It was, it was just not possible. Right. And he was still, I think, denying reality. And so he was this, you know, like a shut door, he wouldn't open up. And so it became very hard to the point where we just gave up attempting to see the counselor. We just stopped doing that because I had to focus on healing myself. And so, I mean, God is faithful. It's at a very different place today, but it was hard. It was hard, not sure where we were going and what was going to happen and if it would last at all. Yeah. Well, I, I can imagine that had to have been very difficult for you both. And yeah. um, I'm, I'm curious, as you look back on that, how you would, what, what would you say you wished, um, how, how, how do you wish that he would have first responded? How do you wish that would have played out between the two of you in this season? What did you need? Because I think there are a lot of people who are listening to this Maybe they're in the depths of that and they're searching for answers and they're going, you know, maybe it's a husband who's saying, how do I be here for my wife during this? Maybe it's a wife saying, how do I communicate to him in, in a way that he maybe just might understand and be able to be what I need in this season? Well, what would you say? I would say for me, I just wanted him to listen. Uh, I don't, I wanted him to just tell me it was going to be okay Something like that, where for him, it was just, I think, the anxiety and the fear of all that was un, un, just unraveling in front of him and in, in our lives with the little ones and everything was 
as much as I didn't see it then, overwhelming for him as well. So he just yeah, shut down. Absolutely. Yeah. And I wish he hadn't shut down. I wish he was more available uh, to just talk or just listen and, you know, let me vent maybe. Um, I feel like sometimes the rage would have not been as bad if I had a place to go vent with him because I'm only seeing my counselor a couple of times a week and she was a very safe place for me where I could text her any time of the day, night, she would call, she would pray. Um, she became a mother figure to me and to this day is, but I needed more because mm. I'm only with her for, for a fraction of the time that in, in a whole week. Right. And so I needed more. And, um, she enabled me to the point where she said, find five people that you trust your heart with and tell five people about this so that mm -hmm. when you feel this way, if I'm not available, you have one more person to call, one more person to trust five safe places. Yeah. And so I'm glad she did that for me, but that's what I wanted, that safe place yeah. uh, with my husband and uh I didn't have that at that point, and I don't think he was um, equipped at that point to give me that or provide me with that. Yeah, man. So, Julie, when when did you see? What can you look back on in terms of? Um, are, are there are there places or are, are there moments that you remember that God really met you during this? I mean, are there are kind of moments that stand out where mm -hmm. you know it obviously what I'm hearing from you is that there weren't a whole lot of people that were able to be a safe space for you outside of your counselor. Um, did God show up for you in those moments? You know, I mean, we, we said a couple of ways, you know, sparing your life um, as you, uh, in those couple of times that you attempted to take it. I mean, obviously he showed up in those ways, but any other just really like, emotional experiences that you had with, with the Lord that you can point back to? Yeah. Um, as I've been telling people, I grew up Christian. And so all my life, that's all I've known. And so besides God, and after I was done with all the venting and the running and everything, I just felt like I had no place to go to besides him. Mm. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I, I turned back to him and I started to feel guilty at first for yelling at him and venting at him and everything. And then I decided, Lord, I need you. And when I started to go back to him, I kept feeling this strong impression in my heart to endure, mm. endure, endure. Because every day, every single day, I woke up asking the Lord, please, I want out of this. I want mm. out either home, take me home or... Mm heal me from this, take this, lift this pain, lift this pain off my chest and my head and just kept begging him every day when everything quieted down, it came down to me and him. It mm -hmm. came down to just me and him. And I started to open up the scriptures because <clears throat> um, I was afraid to open the scriptures at first because I felt like, okay, you've been yelling at him, you've been venting at him. So you can't go to the Bible. So I was always in that place of condemnation with the Lord. But somehow when that message to endure started to stick on my heart, I started to open up the scriptures and just search for me. Yeah. Search for somebody that was me, somebody that was upset, 
somebody that was able to be himself or herself with the Lord, somebody that didn't have to always sound like they were this perfect, prayerful, put together person. And I grew up in the church and 99% of the time I heard about the people that had it all together, Mm. how victorious. And because he did this, how victorious. And a lot of the times I feel like we leave out the backstories of these people that got their victory. Right, right. And so when I searched and searched and searched, the Psalms were like this light in front of my eyes, yeah. like one step. It was like this dark tunnel and I'm seeing light enough to lead me to the end of the tunnel because right. I started to see people in the Psalms venting, yeah, frustrated, angry, David, the other Psalmists, all just saying the exact same things that I'm saying. Yeah putting words to my emotions and the Lord put it in the holy book of yeah, scriptures. That's right. He didn't hide it. And that was just an enlightening moment for me right. where I didn't feel guilty anymore because I could be myself before my God mm. and see and watch what he was doing in the lives of these people. And I started to just dive into scripture and I struggled with insomnia for the longest time. And scripture became my lifeline where I would just leave it plugged in my ears Mm. so that the night was not occupied with darkness and torment and what is my mind going through. It literally came down to having to take those thoughts captive and replacing it because I couldn't do it. I wasn't at an emotionally strong place to do that action of replacing my thoughts. I just put it into my ears and that kept going into my head constantly. So that was one point where God started to lead me to open up myself into his word. And I would start writing all Mm. the venting I wanted to do. And I felt absolutely safe with him to where he became my hiding place. And one of the chapters in my book is called Hiding Place. It went from darkness, hiding in that dark, dark place where I thought I was safe. Yeah, It was not really a hiding place to me wanting to hide in who he was. And uh, one of the biggest, did you ask me where the shift started to happen? Yeah, where where was a turning point or multiple turning points that you felt like, yeah, really yes. shifted things? And like I've told a lot of people, I feel like God didn't give me my instant that I wanted, you know, mm-hmm. my instant coffee. He gave it to me in the form of a pie chart okay. and, you know, the prayers, counseling, my counselor, yep. um, this, the word of God, me being able to vent with my journal. Yeah. And I think the next part of that pie chart was, uh, it was still going through this, my year four of the struggle. Mm. And uh, I was at my church. It was a ladies event and it was a night of comedy. We had a a famous comedian come and uh, it was just a fun night. You know, everything was about prizes and games and laughter. And I just sat in that crowd just with people that I know in the church because I've been in that church for the longest time since my son was born. So this is year four. And I was sitting there feeling terrible, alone, mm. lonely. And I'm going, I want to go home. I want to go home. I don't, I don't know anyone here. Nobody understands what I'm going through. I am just all alone. I am isolated. I'm a shame factor. All these feelings hit me at the same time. And I'm just thinking I want to run from here. But I couldn't run because I'm sitting in between friends. So if I run, they're going to wonder right. why. Right. And so I made it through the night. It was an hour and a half. Made it through the night. Got home. And once I put the kids to bed, I'm thinking, okay, I can sleep, but I couldn't. 
again, it was the time of insomnia struggles. And yeah. that whole night, this was my reality. That feeling that I had in the church sanctuary came home with me. And it just kept getting heavier and heavier and heavier through the course of the night. To a point where I'm going, asking the Lord, take this, please. I'm already struggling. Why am I feeling like all these extra additional emotions piled on top of me? And when day started to dawn, I don't know if I've never noticed it before, but that morning as the day was dawning, light crept into the room through one of those gaps. Mm. It probably was there before. I never noticed it. it. I noticed it that morning. And as that light was creeping in, it was this strong impression on my heart that just said like everything that you experienced sitting in that room and this entire night that you went through feeling all those emotions i need you to know that you are not alone that there were several others just like you sitting in that very same room that you were in i need you to share your story now mm. And I'm not done. <clears throat> I'm still in the middle of it. Yeah. How could I share if I'm not, I'm not over on the other side. I haven't gained exactly. victory yet. You know? Wow. Exactly. Those words that you just said, I told God, I don't have a story of victory. I don't have a testimony that I've heard most of the time where God did this amazing thing and I'm healed and here I am and here are my five steps. And I said, I don't have that. What credibility do I have? Mm to share the story at this point. And he wouldn't let go. He wouldn't let go to the point where wow. it was gentle. It was never that pressure or condemnation, but it was, it's time. Do it wow. now. Do it now. And my counselor was also pushing me along the same lines. And um, I was going to life coaching at with her at that time. And she's also a life coach. And I was getting trained in life coaching and going through my healing at the same time. And so she started to compel me on her end, and as it was happening on two ends to gently share my story, I started to do that. Mm. Small groups, groups of little groups of ladies, close friends, coffee shop conversations. I started to open up my life to people. Wow. And what I heard 80 to 90% of the time in response was, oh my God, we had no idea that you were going through this. We are, or so is my family right. member, or so is my child. You're not alone. You're not alone. Wow. And the biggest confirmation I got, because even at those points, I'm still doubting my, I'm not an authority on this. Should I be saying this? I should be careful. And my, a friend of mine that was going through her struggles at, with depression at the time was sat across from me at a coffee shop and said, I'm so glad you shared your story now, because mm -hmm. if you had come to me with your story after your victory, I wouldn't be sitting across from you today. Wow. And so that was like the biggest confirmation for me where God wanted me to share this story of weakness yeah. while I was still going through this. And I started to see a shift in my healing as I would meet with people, listen to their end of the stories as well. Yeah. And somehow all that scripture that was embedded in me from those past years would come up and I would say something to them that I wouldn't say to myself. Mm. And I drive home or walk home and I'm go, oh, that, that's that's applicable to me. And I would feel the sense of relief every time I met with one person, one at a time, my pie chart started to, mm. you know, fill up. And that was one of the biggest, biggest shifting points of uh, my story from wow. where it went from darkness to light. And God started to push me to share my story during, during yeah. the thick of it. 
Hey friends, I can't tell you how many times we've had someone write in or message us asking us for a list of the podcast episodes and resources we have on a particular topic or pain point. In fact, just the other day, someone asked me, hey, can you point me to all the episodes you guys have on sexual betrayal? Because unfortunately, this person had just recently discovered that this was now part of their story. We get this question so much that we decided to do something about it to make it easier for you. Rather than wading through our entire library of very inspirational content, if I may say so myself, how about if we just give you a list of everything that we have on a particular topic you're looking for? We've done that, built some of these lists, and we call these lists Curated Pathways. With Curated Pathways on topics like grief, child loss, sexual betrayal, childhood trauma, widowhood, and more, we've compiled the very best resources from Nothing Is Wasted Ministries all in one place that will speak directly to what you're experiencing right now or what a friend or a family member is experiencing. We've packaged this in an easy way for you to consume it, you to access this material, or for you to send it over to a friend or family member you know who's experiencing a particular pain point right now. Our Curated Pathways will give you access to everything we've created from past podcast episodes to bonus content, master classes, live coaching, and everything in between. Let's be honest, when you're facing a crisis, a loss, or a trauma, you just don't have the time or the energy or emotional bandwidth to search for what could help you heal. That's why we've created Curated Pathways, so that you can more directly and quickly access the resources that you need. Now, you can get a taste of what our Curated Pathways are all about by going to nothingiswasted.com slash pathways. But if you're ready to go to the next level on your healing journey, you can access the full library of our resources, including the entire Curated Pathway you're looking for by becoming a Community Plus member. For just $20 a month or $200 a year, you'll have access to the complete collection of Nothing Is Wasted Curated Pathways. As a Community Plus member, You'll be able to access a new curated pathway each month as our collection grows and as we release those. Our team has been working very hard to catalog, index, organize, and distribute our library of content in a way that will be most helpful to you, to your friends, to your family, because we know what it's like to face pain and we wanna equip you with the tools you need to find hope and healing as you move from pain to purpose. Join Community Plus today at nothingiswasted.com slash communityplus or get a little taste of our curated pathways at nothingiswasted.com slash pathways. Both of those links are here in the show notes. We want to help you partner with God to take back your story. And we're committed to giving you resources that will help you do just that. I love that you said this as a, as a pie chart, because I think that's really <laughs> important. I think that lines yeah. up with, you know, my experience as well in terms of healing from, from, uh, you know, a particular type of trauma, tragedy, I feel like it's lines up with what I've heard. I've heard so many other people say that there's not one kind of magic quote unquote pill that takes you out of this. Right. No. But it, it, it seems to resemble more like there's a combination of a lot of things that like when you put those things into the soil, right. When you kind of put those nutrients into the soil and then you let that over time begin to, you know, turn the, I mean, I guess it would keep going with the metaphor that turn the pH balance of the soil to something that's healthy, then fruit kind of comes out of that. But, 
you know, you can't just like drop one. It's not just one thing that typically turns things around for you. That's, that's amazing. It wasn't that way for me, for sure. (laughs) For sure. Yeah. 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 Well, that's what I'm finding too, when it comes to like, especially depression, because again, you often can't put your finger on, well, here's the one reason why I'm depressed. Right. That's not, it, it's it's a it's like a cocktail of reasons. It's a lot of things that have kind of led to that, and so it can't just be one thing that's going to bring you out of it, either, right? No. Uh-huh. And um, certainly undergirding all of that is the Lord's grace, and but it's not just like, well, you got to pray more, you know, that's it. You got to pray more. That's going to bring yeah. you out, or you're not close enough to God, and that's why you're depressed. Yeah. Right? It's like, no, 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 no. Are you kidding me? There's so <laughs> much else that's going on. Yeah. Um, Anything else that you would say in that, while we're on that topic, anything else that you would say in that pie chart that really helped, you know, it helped you? I, I think that God put his finger on one thing at a time. Mm, Just That's good. Me as a person, I don't think I could have dealt with if he had tried to deal with me venting and my hiding and coming out from the hiding into the light and then when I started to share my story that was dealing with the shame aspect of my story because I was ashamed Mm. of who I was. And so he put his finger on the shame. And then, you know, he started to show me a little later that this pain was worth enduring because here I can use it for something. So I feel like he put his finger, even in my life, on forgiveness. You know, that can cause anxiety and stuff like that. And so he would put his finger on one little thing at a time. And I think I'm wired that way. I don't think I could have taken it all at a time. And wow. I think that's why the inside out worked so much for me. And that's why I've titled it that way. It didn't come in, come in from a healing and then everything else yeah. slowly healing inward. It worked its way out. Wow. And so he put his finger on one thing at a time that he knew that my little personality could deal with, because otherwise I probably would have exploded if he dealt with everything of, Yep. Okay, don't hide in the light, come into the, bring the shame story out, everything at the same time. Yep. I think I would have been probably too overwhelmed to deal with it, yep. probably would have gone way backward a few steps. So he knew how I needed to heal. Mm. And I'm so, so grateful for that, uh, that he works with each one of us. Our pie charts will all look different, um, wow. you know, because wow. someone else would have a different tolerance level for God dealing with the shame. And, you know, so I feel like he dealt with one thing at a time, sometimes some aspects of one along with the other, but there was time and there was grace and he knew when and where and how it needed to be dealt with. And now that I'm seeing what it is doing for me and the story coming out and how different people are taking from different portions of that pie chart, that pie chart needed to happen. Yes. Because the whole thing won't work for everybody. So right. some glean from some aspects of it right. and some glean from other aspects of so it. So good. And I'm so grateful that he did it that way for me. Wow. Julie, that's huge what you're communicating right now because I think we can say, we can talk about this pie chart, but you only you only know that it's a pie chart when you look back in retrospect. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And you put all the pieces the together, right? It's not while you're <laughs> yes. in the middle of the journey and the middle of the journey is nope. one step at a time. Yes. You're yeah. walking down. No, this, I didn't have a pie chart then. Exactly. <laughs> no charts. <laughs> exactly. You're walking down this really dark path, right? I mean, if yeah. we we can think about it in terms of this kind of an image, it's a really dark path. You have no idea yeah. what's in front of you. You don't know how to get out of this thing, and yet God's word is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path, right? Which only shines one step, maybe yeah. two steps in front of us. 
And so the way that God will tend to walk us on our healing journey, no matter what the, the pain point is, is one step. And it's yeah. the step that we need, right? It may not be the same formulaic step as somebody else, but it's one step. It's exactly. the step that we need to address first. Yeah. And then we can go to the next step. But then as we look back on it, we go, oh, here's all these elements, right, that yeah. God used linearly, right, as he took yeah. me down that journey. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. so it starts out looking like a linear journey, and then you look back on it, and it's this pie chart that becomes yeah. kind of the 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 cocktail of your healing. And yeah. That's so important because as people are listening to this conversation, one person's going to extrapolate one thing. They're going to go, oh, that is, that's what I really got out of this conversation. Just as you said, another person's going to think of something so totally different. They're going to get something else because the Holy Spirit is taking your experience, Julie, and he is, um, he, he's extracting one principle from that for one person and one for the other person. Um, and that's so important to remember. Because we can't just yeah. dive into all of this and we're like our mindset is like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're gonna fix this. We're gonna do all these things. One, you know, and, and it just can be so overwhelming to try to attempt it that. Is. Yes, it is. And a friend of mine was once reading my book, and she had to at chapter two, I think she had to put it down. Mm. She wasn't ready for chapter the rest of the chapters. Wow. And like you said, <clears throat> that's how every different person's healing is from a different perspective or vantage point. So wow. I feel like, you know, when she said she had to put it down, I was like, I was afraid I hurt her at that time. I was like, God, I mm. hope there was nothing in there that hurt her. But she wasn't ready for chapter three, you yeah. know? So what she needed was whatever the first two chapters had. And so I'm not, not specifically talking about the book, but, you know, yeah. the aspects of healing. For sure. And yeah. Wow. Well, I think that's what can make that can, that's what can make depression in general so confusing because that we are whole people, so we have different dimensions of our life. We have a physical dimension, we have a spiritual dimension, we have an emotional dimension, we have an intellectual dimension. We have all these different dimensions of our life. In fact, most people say there's eight different dimensions in our life, mm. and so to be able to say which dimension is off right now that's causing this thing to go haywire and out of balance, uh, they bleed into each other so much. Postpartum depression, yeah, it, it seems like, you know, it, it can be hard to parse out where is this just like early parenthood exhaustion mm -hmm. and where is this actually depression, like long-standing depression because they yeah. tend to overlap in a lot of yeah. ways. So yeah. if you're trying to help somebody kind of parse that out, if you're sitting down and you're counseling someone and saying, here's the signs that you need to look for to indicate, hey, this may be a much deeper issue than just the common, we're not getting a whole lot of sleep and we're really exhausted. Yeah. Um, well, for me, it helped that I had the reel in my head where there was a distinctive mark of where that reel started to fade away because that kept going for almost a year and a half in my head wow. to where it just kept playing, just kept playing. And it would be, it would be me feeling like I wanted to pull my hair out mm. and just get this out of my head. So that intense experience of a ride where I knew it was still in postpartum you, you know, could tell I that was much more than just exhaustion. There was something that it, was it, that was exactly. deeper than it. Yeah, yeah, because I felt like I was dealing with the 
child and my toddler and everything else, I think I was doing okay in those areas. For me, the bigger challenge was what is this in my head? So that started to fade without me realizing. And it was my counselor that had to point it out to the point where she noticed it was Mm. not just postpartum anymore. I wouldn't have because I wasn't in a place where I could look at it with a clear vision because I'm so muddled from all this, my, my vision, my head, my heart, everything is just muddled from everything. So I wouldn't have noticed it. So it would really, really help if you have a counselor or a safe place Mm. that notices it. Because I don't think the person that's going through the season is equipped to find out or realize, Oh, I'm, you know, taking this step from here into this season. I didn't. I wouldn't have realized it. I wouldn't have known. My counselor did. And she was able to see that this was becoming chronic mm. and uh, almost to the point of PTSD. Yeah. So she was able to notice that distinction. So it really would help to have a safe place, somebody that would notice it. If it's a friend, if it's a family member, a counselor, uh, somebody that would yeah. see that or help you see that. So that's where those safe places that she had me put in five people, her, you know, it helped. So she was helping you identify safe places. She was saying, okay, can you find some safe places that you can really pour this stuff out to? That's good. Yes. And I needed it. Oh, I know I so needed it. So just those safe places would be able to help you draw that distinction line between postpartum shifting into something more serious. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. That's a really important thing to note that, you know, what PTSD essentially is, is your body reacting to what should be your external circumstances should be safe, but your body's telling you that you're not safe. And so you're in this heightened sense of anxiety, this constant hum of not feeling safe, of being on edge. And that can vary to different degrees, but it's so important for us to have those safe places I mean, just for our soul, right? Just for our soul to feel like it can let down and it can be in in this place of peace and shalom. It's like it helps to recalibrate our heart, our mind, our spirit. And um, I think that's a really, I don't want the listener to miss that, that that's even a very practical thing that your counselor was saying, hey, I want you to identify who are those safe spaces? What are those safe spaces, right? Like, even if it's a location, like where, where can you go and sit and feel the presence of God, yeah. right? And feel safe. Where can you, who yeah. can you go and talk to that, that has demonstrated that they are safe? That's so important. I think that's a really, really good, helpful piece of advice in terms of, you know, beginning to catalyze healing or managing mm-hmm. depression or, yeah, that's good. That's really good. Yeah. Julie, what, what do you think, you know, you, you were part of this church for such a long time and I'm, I'm sure you've, thought about um, what, what what can the church do, the body of Christ do to better support uh, moms who are experiencing postpartum depression, families who are in that postpartum season, you know, in general? I think talking about it more, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, my church was, they were gracious enough to like when they, well, they were aware of my story the whole time our leadership was, and they were walking it with us a lot of the time. So when I started to come out and share my story, they 
created the platform for me, mm. created a women's night, very much like the one that I came to the realization that I needed to start sharing my story at this point of weakness. Wow. Very similar night, women's night, and they enabled me to share my story from the very pulpit where I felt all that, where the laughter was coming and I felt nothing but pain. And mm. I was able to go express that from that pulpit and they were gracious to give voice to what I was going through. And I think the church needs to continue to do that because wow. uh, there's so many. It's not just me. There's so many. Wow. And at that point, when I was sitting in that room and that feeling could not be more real, like I said, it's real time feeling like like this conversation between us was, I'm alone. I'm the only one. I'm the only one. You're the only one. You're all alone. That just kept pounding my ears and my chest. And I had to go through that that night. For me to realize when I shared my story, yeah. listen to all these people coming up to you, yeah. all these emails you're getting, all these responses. This is where you need to realize you are not alone, where within the church, a lot of our people are still hiding good people, people that love the Lord, but people that know nothing but the Lord. Like I was a person that didn't know anything but the Lord. And like I always used the scripture where Peter you know, when Jesus asked the disciples, are you guys going to leave me too? Mm -hmm. And Peter said, Lord, where will I go? We go. You are it. Like yeah. you are it for me. You and so life. Wow. you have the words of life. And so I would, that was my anchor where I, I have no place else to go. Yeah. You are it. There's so many that love God and they're sitting within our churches doing the best they can yep. to live this out uh, with along with life because life doesn't go away. Yeah. This is only part of that life. Like even life is a pie chart. I, I'm like, this is just mm -hmm. part of that. And then you're having to navigate through everything else, right. you know, right. your family, your financial stuff, your kids, your parents, your everything else Yeah, doesn't go away. And then you have to manage this through all that. Right, right. So for people that love the Lord, our church needs to become all our churches need to become a safe place where this yeah. is talked about, where this is addressed, and that shame factor needs to be lifted. Uh, I physically experienced that shame so many times where if there was an altar call, like, go up, go for prayer, right, right. I would be in the last seat all those four years, last row, last seat, yeah. corner seat, and I would have this go, go, go up for prayer, just go, you know, and... I would be, no, I'm not going, I'm not going. And when that push and that tug from the Lord was there, I would end up going. And that walk from the last seat to the front mm. was some of the most difficult steps I've taken because it felt like I was the shame object walking down yeah. that aisle and that people were staring at me. Nobody's staring at me. Everybody is opening up their hearts to the Lord at the time right. of prayer. right. It was a very hard walk for me to take from that back seat to the front. That needs to go away. Wow. Wow. That needs to go away. Such a good word. Wow. Man. Julie, you know, the, this is such an important conversation, and I'm so glad that you're having this conversation. I'm so glad that you're um, stepping into this light. What a powerful moment where the Lord showed you that that early that morning as, as dawn was breaking that. Yeah. wanted you to step into the light and now you are and you're helping so many others step into the light as well i know people who are listening to this that that's going to be shifting for them uh just listening to this conversation and hearing your testimony 
Um, and so I'm grateful for that. I'm really grateful for that. I want to make sure that everybody picks up a copy of Hope Inside Out, um, Approaching Depression with Purposeful Hope. Doesn't matter if you're just experiencing or have a loved one who experienced postpartum depression, any depression in general, any season of this kind of chronic depression, this is going to be really helpful for you to pick up as a resource. Julie, is there anything else that you'd want to share with us that's just burning on your heart before we um, before we sign off on on this uh, conversation? Anything that that you would you would share with someone who's going through this right now? Um, what is happening to me right now? Share your story. Mm. Share your story. As simple as that. There's a task in front of us. Uh, because I've been through the six years and I've felt that fe- that healing. Like I said, everything else doesn't go away. Our life doesn't go away. Yeah, it still keeps happening, and ever so often I'll feel that sting of oh anxiety or something and i'm going am i going into it again am i am i going to go back that fear is there but i feel like the more i do this the more i talk and god is so faithful in the way he opens up these little opportunities for me to speak and and i'm so blessed by people like you what you're doing is enabling this story and then through my story Someone else will come behind me and I'm the enabler for their story to come out. And there's this domino effect, like, so where the shame can fall and the hiding can fall That's and right. the darkness can fall. Talk, share, wow. start with a safe place, keep going from there. When the Lord asked me to write this book again, I doubted my credibility. I'm like, I'm not a source of, mm. you know, I'm, I don't have a degree in counseling. And all he kept telling me was go to your journal. Hmm. take it out from there. And that's all I did. Wow. Uh, there's no five steps. I just I pulled everything from my journal. Everything that I shared with you today, yeah. a lot of it is just put down in words. And so oh. there's so many avenues. There's, there's blogs you can start. There's podcasts you can do There's yeah. We're not lacking in avenues to share today. We're right. not. Um, there are people like me that are scared to, are afraid to i'm not good at social media and i'm not good at um just going and putting myself out there so god has to like push me yeah (laughs) in little ways like this little invites from you know godly people like you and i wouldn't do it otherwise so he knows each one of us if you if you can open up if you can share share it's a task it's each step is a a step of hope for someone else too that's great yeah that's awesome. Well, Julie, we're proud of you. Keep going. Keep sharing. This is bringing so many people into uh, healing light. So thank you so much for what you're doing. And thank you for spending time with us today. This has been wonderful. This was a blessing for me, truly. Thank you so much. Man, what a wonderful conversation with Julie. Ugh. Oof. I mean, I... Like just hearing her battle with this, I just I was so so moved and so touched by it, um, and and I know so many people who have also battled with postpartum depression to to a very deep level, you know, to to a very deep level, and just to see how God showed up in her life and intervened even when she couldn't see how she was going to be able to move forward, she couldn't see how she was going to live another day, and 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 God really restored hope in her, and I and I want to I want to say that because I know and believe that God 
as you invite him into your season of depression, as you take these thoughts and feelings and bring them to the Lord, he's going to show up. He's going to show up. Now, it may not feel like it immediately, but I promise you, as you continue to lean in and press into the Lord, he's going to show up. And there's so many things you know, that, that are not just spiritual about a season of postpartum depression. And so there's so many other variables involved and other ways that you can begin to start feeling better. And uh, I know Julie talked quite a bit about some of that stuff. And so, you know, that's one of the things that one of the things that my wife Christy is passionate about helping people with is really helping them to address some of the other areas of their life, physical uh, health or unhealth, um, to to be able to inform or or affect our, our mental and, and emotional and spiritual unhealth. And so, I just want to encourage you uh, to to tap into Christy's resources, uh, linenandroots.com, if you want to get connected with some of that. She's got some great resources for that. Um, and also get connected with Julie's resources. I really I really enjoyed, and I'm glad that Julie brought up the idea about how sharing her story was such a, such a huge part of her healing journey, that even though she felt very shameful, um, full of shame about sharing her story, she went ahead and did that. And that was bringing light into the darkness. It was exposing some of the dark emotions and feelings and thoughts that she had. And so she's bringing it to the light and that really started shifting things for her. And, you know, that, that was also the case for me. I, I really resonated with that. You know, as when I lost Amanda, I was, a, I was a pastor. And so I was preaching every week and it really became kind of a counseling session with cognitive behavioral therapy up on stage almost every week, telling people, this is where God is, where he's meeting me. And this is where I feel alone. And this is where I feel dry. And this is where I feel uh, really in despair. And this is where I feel hope. And when you begin to do that, what happens is you begin to, you begin to label the emotions. You begin to give it a name, right? You begin to actually call it what it is. It allows you to gain some distance enough to be able to hold it out and, and, and say, okay, this is exactly what I'm experiencing. When you, when you begin to give your emotions a name and label it, it, it no longer holds power over you. It's like it robs that emotion from its power. You know, we talk about this in the Pain to Purpose course, but Adam was given a job. He was given the cultural mandate that ultimately is our mandate too into the world. And that, and that was to um, have dominion over God's creation, to steward it, right? To have authority over it. And the way that Adam was supposed to carry out that dominion initially was to name the animals. And I think that speaks so much into how we are to regain dominion over the things that seem to be lording over us, the powerful emotions that seem to be taking us captive, we name them. We name them. And that in Christ, by the Spirit of God, that allows us to recapture the authority over those emotions. And then we're able to refilter them through the lens of God's Word. And so, you know, I, I, that, I'm just so glad that Julie uh, talked about that because we've, we've found that both, you know, experientially and from other people that as you begin to talk your story out, even when you're in the middle of it, as you begin to talk your story out, God shows up and begins to heal you in that. Um, you know, if you're looking for some resources to get started on this journey, we want to help you with that. We love to help people take, help people partner with God to take back their story. And so you can go to nothingiswasted.com. Specifically, we have a, a live Zoom call that I'm doing twice a month. And you can go to nothingiswasted.com slash start here. So if you're looking to start your, your pain to purpose journey, you're looking to uh, figure out what's next for you. That's a great place to get started. Nothingiswasted.com slash start here. We want to thank Sleeping at Last for providing all the music for the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. You can go and download or stream his music anywhere music can be downloaded and streamed. 
You can follow along with us on Instagram. I'd love for you to engage with us at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries. Uh, you can follow me at Davy Blackburn. You can follow Aubrey at Obsamp. And we want to encourage you to go onto Apple Podcasts, rate and review this. Um, this really helps just to be transparent. It helps with the algorithm to bring this podcast more to kind of the the exposure, the surface, so that people in their searches, they, they find this. I think that people just need to hear these really great stories. So go and share your testimony of how God is um, is moving you and impacting you and changing you through this podcast right there, Apple Podcasts. Maybe if you're watching this on YouTube, go ahead and like and subscribe that's on YouTube and give us a comment there. I'd love to hear from you. Next week, we have an unbelievable conversation with Adam Young. I'm so excited for you to hear from him. So let's go ahead and listen to this little clip for my conversation with Adam Young. So for something to be traumatic, you have to have some experience of deep powerlessness. You can't use your voice or move your body to make the bad thing stop happening. Mm. Number two, abandonment by potentially protective caregivers. In other words, for something to be traumatic, you, you, so here's Bessel van der Kolk's the uh, conic trauma mm-hmm. expert, yep. who says, a really helpful illustration, he says, look, at 9-11, they've done lots of research on the folks that were at ground zero on 9-11. The ones that could run home and have significant other loved ones receive them, hold them, cry with them, process their emotions with them, tell the story, narrate it, those folks were not traumatized. So there is a difference. A lot of people don't understand this. There is a difference between a a harsh event, a harmful event, and something becoming what's called embedded trauma. Trauma has nothing to do with the event, nothing. Trauma is about what happens in your body after the bad event when there is not sufficient care.